It's that time of year. Uh, earlier this morning, we didn't know what condition the roads were going to be in. At least I did. I'm a little more nervous than most people, I guess. But we didn't know what condition the roads were going to be in, but they're fine. They're wet. They're not icy. But it is that time of year when, you know, there's going to come some Sundays where it's, you know, who knows? It's going to be a little iffy. And about a couple years ago, it was one of those kind of times where there's just a lot of snow, really super cold. And I just looked out my basement window and I looked, this was the picture I took. And it just sort of looks sad. You know, you have this cold snow. There was kids' swings and kids' toys. But it's just like a, a, just a cheap dystopian novel came to my mind. And so I took that picture and I tweeted with this caption, children once laughed and played here. <laughs> then the pandemic came and the land froze. And it's just sort of a, you know, a, a cheap, like I said, dystopian novel kind of introduction but the point is, every one of those sentences were true, but they were so ridiculously reductionistic, leaving out so much other reality to the story, that the three true sentences actually misled and created a lie. It, it's not the pandemic that's causing kids not to play here, and it's not the pandemic that the land froze, and we're not in some dystopian HBO show. This is just me saying true statements and creating a false reality having fun. It's not so fun when we adopt the incredibly ridiculously true but reductionistic view of what it means to be a human. So we have true sentences, true sentences. You are composed entirely of atoms and you have a body that is full of cells. That's the life in your body are the cells of your body. And your genetic DNA largely determines, not completely, but in, it, it determines a lot about your personality and the health of your body throughout your years in, in lots of ways, not entirely. All those sentences are true, but if that's the reductionistic view, if those true sentences become how you define what it means to have a human body, that reductionistic view will lie to you and ridiculously give you a false impression of reality. Now, what Christians do is we take that reductionistic view and we're, we're, you know, we, we adopt it, we live in this culture, and we, these are all true sentences, we're not denying any of them, but if that's the view of what our body is, well, we read our Bible and so we know, well, okay, we have a soul and there's a God and so we have a spiritual connection with God, but we sort of have this bifurcated two-car train. We have the physical body that is this reductionistic view that we just said, true sentences, but that's all. And then you have sort of tagged onto that car a spiritual view. And we're not sure how the two connect. And we kind of not really don't think of our connection with God on the physical level because that's just physical stuff. We tend to think of our connection with God on a spiritual level. And so our spirit is our connection, our relationship, our eternal relationship with God. And we're not quite sure how to handle this. Here's the problem. You can't live the Christian life this way because this is not the biblical view of what it means to have a body, and it's not the biblical view of what it means to be a person at all. So what I want to do today is something I've been wanting to do for a whole year, but I couldn't do it because I've been trapped in these sermon series. I loved our sermon series. 
But I had to do a faithful job of preaching that chapter best I could in Daniel and Ephesians before that. And I'm like, I'm not going to get a chance to say something I'm dying to say to our church. So here it is, January 8th, and we're not in a sermon series yet. We will be on the 22nd. So I'm just going to take advantage to just make you listen to something that I've been wanting to say for a year. Some of you will really like it. Some of you will kind of go, huh? But I think here's the point. I want to say three essential things in the Bible, essential truths that are true about your body so that you can have a experience, a transformed experience of God in a bodily way that's real, a bodily reality in your life, that your experience of God would be bodily and not just something that you have, you have this reductionistic view of your body and you have your spiritual life, you're not sure how to, how to tie the two together. And so I want to give three things, and the first thing I want to say is going to sound like Sunday school. It's going to sound so simplistic, you're going to start to be bored, but it is anything but simplistic if you just let me, give me a chance to explain it. So let me say the, the first point in this is, God specifically created and loves your body as the true you. When God created your body, he was creating the all of you, the true you, the you that he designed specifically, specifically, intricately, intentionally, intimately, and that he loves the physical body that he created you to be because that is the real you. Let me explain what I mean. Don't check me out. Don't think I'm a heretic. Let me explain what I mean. Give me, give you, let's just go to an example. And here's where we get tied up because I'm going to go to poetry in the Bible. So much of the Bible is poetry. So many of the most you know, powerful passages are poetry. They're not literal truths. They're poetic truths that give us a transcendent view if we can use our biblically guided imagination to imagine, to envision the picture this poetry is giving us. And when we can, we have this view that transcends something that we can measure by literal seeing and observing. So a good example is what David wrote 3,000 years ago. Imagine 3,000 years. How much hasn't changed in 3,000 years? Because here we are reading the poetry of somebody as relevant to our lives today. Psalm 139, verse 13, he says this. He's praying to God. He says, for you formed my inward parts. Now he's just saying, the stuff I can't see that's all true of me, my body, you formed it. You knitted me, poetry, right? He's not thinking God knit one, pearl two. He's just thinking God was intricately involved in every detail. He says in verse 15, we're not gonna look at it, that he was, he was intricately woven together. So you knitted me together in my mother's womb. God was intricately involved in every detail of David's body as he was being formed and he says, I praise you for I am fearfully. That's a synonym of awesomely. I am awesomely and wonderfully made. I'm made. 
Now, you might think, God, you know, okay, yeah, that's great. I love poetry, but we all know it's been thousands of years of just a chain reaction of genetic sperm, egg, sperm, egg, sperm, egg, and now here I am. Yes, that's true. But can you imagine God intricately knitting you together over thousands of years? Every genetic code in your body, God is patiently, intentionally, intricately, intimately knitting you, poetry, knitting you together to get the you that you are now, bodily, every cell in your body. I am fearfully, if I really understood a tip of the iceberg of the reality, I would just be overwhelmed with fear and awe and transcendent wonder. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful, awesome are your works. And my soul knows it very well. But here's the thing. I want you to notice the synonymous parallel of the poetry is part of the point. And the synonymous parallel is me, you knitted me. What's the me? Well, it's my body. You knitted me. You, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The I, the me, is his body, but it's also his soul. My soul knows all this really well. So on the one hand, he's talking about a physical body that is unbelievably physically, fearfully, and wonderfully made. I mean, I've read this. I'm not a biologist who discovered this or anything. You haven't either. But I've read this where your body is comprised, get this, of 38 trillion cells. 38 trillion cells. That number means nothing to us. Trillion means nothing to us. But here's an idea of the way to think about it. That's, excuse me, over a hundred times more than the number of stars in our own galaxy. So you would have to stuff, you would have to squeeze a hundred galaxies inside your body to have the same number of cells in your body. 38 trillion cells. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. And every single one of those cells, those reproducing cells, has a genetic code with the characters that would fill a thousand books, each having 600 pages each. Every one of those 38 trillion cells. Just the blood vessels. Now let's talk about just your blood vessels, all the ways that your blood is going through your bodies, all the tubes that your blood is circulating your body. If you took your blood vessels and you lined them up end to end, it would be 60,000 miles long. Just to give you a perspective of what that is, that would be going around the earth twice. With just the blood vessels in your body. You are ridiculously fearfully and wonderfully made, but it's your soul that's part of it. See, you're not this body that has a soul. You're not a, you're not a body with a soul or a soul with a body. Your body is not some outer shell for your inner soul. It, you are an embodied soul they are inseparably linked. Your body is your soul. Your soul is your body. The Hebrew word for soul doesn't have this idea of just spiritual. 
And when I say Hebrew, that's because the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, was written in Hebrew. The word for soul just means your personhood. Now, you know, years go by and we start changing words and culture creates meaning, but the Bible never intended for you to think of somehow you are driving your body like an old car that's going to end up in a junkyard and then you're going to get a new something, but it's your soul that's kind of transitioning from one to another. That's never the way the Bible talks and that's not how the Bible wants you to think. And if you think that way, you can't live the Christian life because your Christian life is meant to be an embodied soulishness. So what if you envisioned your body poetically? Because it doesn't just stop at your creation. It continues. Like, for, for example, the Apostle Paul's talking to people, and he says this in Acts 17, 28. He's quoting somebody else, but he's, he's quoting it as true. He says, for in him, in God, we live, and these are present tense verbs, we live and move and have our being in God. Just think about that for a minute. Right now, that means right now in God, you live. Right now, present tense, in this moment, you live, you move, your very animated self, and you live and you move and you have your very being in him. Just a few verses before, he said this. He says, he himself, present tense, gives, right now in this moment, he gives everyone life and breath and everything else. What if you saw your life poetically? What if you saw your life this way, that right now in this moment, God right now is sustaining just your very breath, your very life right now is coming from him. He says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 8. He says that the, there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom, this is crazy, through whom all things came. That's past tense, right? And through whom we live. So what if you saw, what if you envisioned your body, not reductionistically, I, I'm all this kind of physical stuff and I guess I have a soul that I'll connect with God over here, but what if you envisioned right now, it's all one embodied reality. Right now, your body is fearfully and wonderfully made, specifically, intentionally, meticulously, intricately, intimately, woven together, knitted together, every detail, every cell in your body, chosen, selected, created specifically by God as the real you, your soul. In him, you live and move and have your being. You're walking around and you're saying, in him I'm living. Right now I live and I move and I have my very being in him. Right now he gives me life and breath and everything else. Right now I came through Jesus and I right now live through Jesus. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And my soul, my body, my every personhood about me knows it very well. That's just a small part of it. Because see, if, you're a, if Christ is in your life, if you're a follower of Christ, it says this, because all those things were said of everybody, but now it gets really bizarre. Because the second point is this, your body, your body 
is a physical presence of God. You're not God. I'm not saying that. Your body is a physical presence of God, a physical presence of heaven on earth. You embody the presence of God. You embody the presence of heaven. To understand that, we have to go back again to the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, it's 3,000 years ago, they are dedicating the new temple. It's the first time it's a temple. Up until it's been a tent. But now it's a temple, stone, pillars, cedar, all that. And this is the first day. This is the day of dedication. It's a special day, a one-time event. And here's what happened in the one-time event. It says this, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments... So God loves music, all those instruments. The singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang. And here's what they sang. It says, says they sang, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That phrase right there is the most repeated phrase in your Old Testament. Here's what they sang. For he is good, and for his steadfast love endures forever. The next verse says this. After they sang that, when they sang that, then... Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud. That was a visible representation of the Holy Spirit. And the priests could not perform their service because the cloud for the glory, that's a synonym to the cloud of the Lord, filled the temple of God. So here's what happened, is that God gave this physical sign, visible sign of a spiritual reality of his spirit filling this physical building with his presence. This building became an embassy of heaven on earth. This building became a physical presence of God. Here's what's so radically crazy is that the New Testament says that's exactly, that's exactly what your body is if Christ is in your life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Paul says, do you not know that your bodies, bodies are members of Christ. So if you start to think of your body as some sort of reductionistic physical thing and your spiritual Christ life over here, you've missed it all. You can't even go on. You can't even get through this verse. Your body is connected as a member, as a part of Christ himself, the one through whom all things came and through whom you live. Your body is connected Poetically, you can't see it literally. You can't measure it with a telescope or a microscope, but your body is connected with Christ. And so he who is joined, what? what's joined? Your body is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. One spirit, body joined together with Christ. It's all the same. There's not a bifurcation. There's not one here and one there. It's all the same. So the next verse, well, verse 8, 19 Or do you not know that your body, your body is, now we're going back to that picture in 2 Chronicles 5, your body is a temple. Your body is that, it's that big stone building that the smoke, that the cloud of God, the glory of God filled with his steadfast love and goodness and glory of his presence. So much so that the priests couldn't even perform their duties because there was a real physical presence in that building. It was an embassy of heaven on earth. It was a presence of God on earth. 
And now the New Testament is saying that's exactly, that's exactly, poetically speaking, what your body is. It is a presence of God on earth. It is a presence of heaven on earth. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, within you. Now you're saying, well, now where is he? Is he, is he near my kidney? Is he near my heart? I don't know where he, now you're thinking reductionistically. You gotta think poetically. He is within you, whom you have, you have from God, so glorify God in your body. Here's what I want you to catch. Notice how you, your body, are just interchangeable. You are your body. There's no separating it. Your body is a member of Christ. There's no separating it. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's part of who you are. And so glorify God in your body. You have to envision that picture of the temple to understand what that verse is saying. But it's no doubt what the Apostle Paul had in mind in Ephesians 1, or excuse me, Ephesians 5.18, when he says, be filled with the Spirit. He's got that picture in mind. Look, see yourself as filled with the very Spirit of God, the steadfast love and the goodness and the glory of God. God's very presence within your body. Now, that's a mystery you're not going to understand. Don't try to figure out, okay, now what what cells is he inhabiting when God inhabits all the cells in my body? How does that work exactly? Now you're, off, you're thinking reductionistically. If you think of yourself poetically, you understand that God's spirit is inhabiting every cell in your body. Everything about you, God created to be his presence on earth. Now here's the thing. Here's what I want you to get that when you understand and see yourself poetically this way and you start to envision the Spirit of God in your body, when you start to envision the Spirit of God filling every cell in your body, and now you're starting to envision, now you're starting to use your biblically guided imagination to envision reality that is transcendent. You are fearfully, you are awesomely, you are wonderfully made, and in him you live and move and have your being, and the Spirit of God fills your very body with his goodness and his steadfast love and his glory of his Holy Spirit, you start to realize that you connect with God, not by your body's over here and now you do this prayer thing, but you connect with God bodily because that is your soul. That is your person. That is who you are. And here's the last thing I want you to get. That is who you are forever. Here's the third thing, is that your body is eternally you. Now, you might think I'm really stupid because we all know you're gonna die. I'm not, but you are. I'm kidding. We're all gonna die. We have these Genesis 3 bodies that went wrong. So now we have bodies that have cells that have cancer. We have disease. We have degeneration. Spines degenerate. Cells stop regenerating. Brains start forgetting. And we live in these Genesis 3 bodies, and they are not going to be forever. But you, 
your body that God created is a blueprint. You're not even the same cells that you were 10 years ago. So don't start thinking literal atoms, literal cells. That doesn't even work physically. But there's going to be this eternal you that is your body. That's the promise of the gospel. The promise of the gospel is that when Jesus returns and brings heaven back to the entire earth, he's going to raise your body, a body of immortality, a body of glory, a body of power, a body of righteousness. And that is the promise of the gospel. That's why Jesus came bodily. That's why Jesus died bodily. That's why Jesus rose from the dead bodily. That's why Jesus ascended to heaven bodily. Jesus is a body now humanly. He fills you by his Holy Spirit, but he's a human body. And that's why Jesus will return bodily and be forever bodily because Jesus's body enables your body. This is somehow poetically true. We don't know how it's going to happen. Think caterpillar butterfly, caterpillar monarch, same body, very different. But somehow, well, here's what it says in Philippians chapter three, verse 20, our citizenship right now is in heaven. It's not a place, it's a realm. And from it, we await. So there's an already present tense is, but there's already a not, there's a not yet as well. We await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly Genesis 3 body of death, disappointment, forgetful brains, degenerative spines, to be like his forever glorious body. This is the promise of the gospel. That's why the New Testament says that the redemption, the freedom, the liberation of our body is the hope for which we were saved in Romans chapter eight, verse 23. That's the gospel, the redemption of your body, the transformation of your body. And it is a, an, a, a not yet thing, but it's also an already thing. It, 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 we are right now citizens of heaven, and there's this reality here that even now, right now, and I'll close with this, right now, in this moment, you can experience transformation in your body. I'm not talking about some new age healing thing where you're not gonna die. You're gonna die. I'm, not talk, I'm talking about a transformation poetically that happens in your body where you can experience the transcendence of God. You can experience the reality of God bodily. You can experience God bodily in a very real way right now. And Paul says how in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, and we all who contemplate the Lord's glory are being, present tense, being transformed. We will be transformed, but even now we're being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is a spirit. Even now, if you can envision through your biblically guided imagination and see who you are, not reductionistically, but poetically, transcendently, awesomely, fearfully, wonderfully, as you contemplate God's glory, his steadfast love, and his goodness, inhabiting every 
cell in your body forever. So let's just take a moment and I just wanna lead you in a meditation for one minute, one minute on using your biblically guided imagination to envision this reality right now in your body. Just right now, just close your eyes with me, kind of in prayer. And we're gonna contemplate the Lord's glory right now as you close your eyes. And just take a deep breath and let your muscles drop. Your shoulders, your arms, your legs, your hips, your gut, your back, your head, your neck, your face. And right now, just imagine every cell in your body Just imagine your whole body and feel the life in your body. And now imagine this biblically guided imagination that God gives you, his spirit right now in your body, inhabiting your body, indwelling your body, filling your body, just like the spirit filled the temple. Right now he fills your body, every cell in your body with his glory, his steadfast love, and his goodness, his presence. And right now, as you contemplate the Lord's glory in your body, even now, you're being transformed with ever-increasing glory that comes from his spirit. Feel that right now in your body, using your biblically guided imagination.